This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. Finding out your partner is cheating is a horrible feeling. It came out that they'd been together for six months. So I'd wasted three months of my life dating Max. In response, many people are heading online to warn others about their cheating partners. Women want to know. This is why we go on those online uh, platforms. We want to know about the, the men that we're dating. But these social media groups, which sometimes attract tens of thousands of members, often serve a much broader purpose, exposing catfishers, abusers and predators. They're seen as a safety net, one that's become all the more vital in the world of online dating. But how much are they really helping? And is it okay to publicly shame someone for being unfaithful? Today the social media groups outing cheaters and abusers. It's Tuesday, the 7th of November. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So first thing to say is, disclaimer, this actually all came about because of my friend who we are calling Sarah. Tori Shepard is a senior reporter at Guardian Australia. For many and various reasons, we have changed the names of all the people in this story. So um, I matched with him on Tinder, Um, you know, obviously got to chatting. He seemed very normal. So my friend Sarah was on first date with a guy called Max, someone she'd hooked up with on a dating app. We chatted a bit about sort of our interests, things we had in common, what we liked doing, travel, movies, that sort of thing. And, you know, within a reasonable amount of time, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks, he suggested us meeting up. um, And, yeah, I was actually quite looking forward to it. So we met up on the day. He was already there when I arrived, so, you know, on time. um, And we sat down, he picked the table, he'd picked the venue, um, ordered a couple of gins and got to chatting. And it was all going swimmingly. She was thinking to herself, may even be a second date in this. He seems nice, good looking, no red flags so far. So they're getting towards the end of their first drink. 
and about to probably order a second drink. Um, and yeah, that's where she feels this tap on her shoulder. Yeah, you know, it's funny how we all have um, like a different recollection. I don't actually remember even sort of touching her, but yeah, I, I must have turned around and saw a blonde uh, woman standing there, um, you know, quite striking, quite pretty, quite tall. and With a, a very big grin on my face. And she thinks, oh, they're going to tell us, you know, kitchen is closed or whatever. Probably about, you know, eight o'clock, quarter past eight by this stage. But then I kind of stood in the, in the middle of the table, kind of <laughs> between the two of them. <laughs> and, yeah, that's where she started this speech, I guess. It all came out in a very jumbled rush. Honestly, like, I, it was hard for me to actually process what she was saying. It, ultimately, the message I was trying to deliver to her was that, you know, this guy that you're on a date with, I was with him. And while I was with him, he was with somebody else. This guy was a cheat. He's run two relationships and, you know, that wording was clear in parallel. Turns around to the guy goes, hi, Max. How are you going? Good luck or something like that. And that's when she walked away. Just disappears into thin air. And the first thing I did is I turned back around to Max and he was just sort of sitting there looking quite stunned. In fact, he looked almost like he was trying not to cry. Kind of literally melted. It was like watching a candle melt. And so my friend's sitting there, she's gone from sort of like, oh, are we going to have a second drink? Are we going to have a bite to eat? To like, oh, what the hell just happened? And then he kept sort of saying, I don't know what to do now. It was a pretty heavy accusation, so I thought, well, I'd kind of like to get to the bottom of this. So I ended up saying to him something along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to work out what just happened. I said, so I, I kind of see there being two scenarios here. A, she's telling the truth, or B, that's that was just a random psycho. And the guy said, right, so... Well, A and B are both true. And I have to say, she did later say she regrets the use of the word psycho because it is one of those words used against women all the time to dismiss and demean them. Anywho. When he explained the situation more, I, I, I just kind of said something like, look, six months is a really long time. You know, I've got strong views on cheating, so for me it was like, cool, that's nice and easy, no second date. <laughs> Annabelle says she hadn't even planned on interrupting the date. It was just a complete coincidence she happened to be walking past that bar she saw Max and just had this moment of like self-righteousness and civic duty like she could not let another woman go through this I think this is what gets interesting about the scenario is you know did she do the right thing in telling me should we all be out on the lookout for ex-boyfriends we feel have done the wrong thing and you know giving a heads up to the new people in their lives or should we not um it, it's such a gray area what someone considers to be, you know, an unforgivable action, another person might consider to be okay. I don't think I'd do the same thing um, if I didn't know the person. Yeah, for sure. I'd do it again. One friend said to me, you know, you, you've done the thing that women dream about. I, I just think that, you know, people have a right to know.
So, Tori, I agree. Listening to that story of Annabelle, you kind of think, oh, good on you. <laughs> you know, I don't know whether I would have been brave enough to go up and, and respond in that way in the moment. And it's kind of a rare story of a woman taking back power in just a god-awful online dating world, really. Why did this story interest you? Why were you looking at it? Well, I immediately got interested in this story because before any of this happened, Sarah and I had been over a few drinks talking about the way in which women are exposing cheating men online. And now I had not heard of this before, but now I've looked into it. It is huge. There are hundreds and hundreds of Facebook private groups where women are posting pictures of men and saying, are you also with this guy? Mm. And we were talking about the ethics and the nuance of that because some of these groups have 10,000 people in them. So it's not just asking your mate, like, is he all right? Whatever. It's putting his picture out there to a whole lot of people. We're like, it's really interesting because we've both talked a lot about the dangers of dating apps. You know, we all know women who have their own little safety rituals about getting in touch once they're on a date. There are catfishes. Mm. There are imposters. There are people who are completely misrepresenting what kind of person they do. And so a little check and balance. I could absolutely see the need for it, but I can also see how once you get to a site with 10,000 people and they're sharing personal information about someone they've met on a dating app, that can be kind of problematic. So we'd been talking about all of this and it was within a week that Sarah came into our Facebook chat, which is just a private, like four of us, and said, this cheating men thing, this just happened in real life. (laughs) So you've been spending a bit of time on these Facebook sites. Can you tell me about what they look like, what they're used for and why they are so popular? Sure. So there would be multiple versions of these sites in every major city. There are regional ones. There's a, you know, there's a site for particular multicultural communities, so many of them, and many of them with with quite a few thousand people in them. The standard post is basically a screenshot of say a Tinder profile that somebody's thinking of matching with, put up like anyone got any tea, which is sort of code for got any gossip. So that's what probably the vast majority of these are. Uh, And sometimes women will get on and go, I know that guy, he's a great guy. And sometimes they'll get on and say, he broke my heart or he cheated. Mm. So quite often it'll be, I was with him then found out that he was sleeping with his secretary or I found out that he was married. Uh, So obviously it goes both ways with cheating and also finding out you're the other woman. Um, I, you know, sometimes people tell more of an extended anecdote. You know, he was away for work all the time and I got suspicious and then I saw that he was on all these other apps when we were meant to be exclusive. So it's it's every gamut you can imagine of every cheating story ever, mm. but being shared with thousands of people along with the pictures. Sometimes where the guy works is included in that. Often the first name is also included. Um, and then there's, I guess, a much darker side to this, which is he was violent towards me, he was abusive and so on and so forth. And there, you know, I guess I feel like we have to always be careful to make that distinction between dud date, loser date, nasty cheater, horrible, of course not nice, and actual criminal behaviour. I mean, it does seem like this could be almost life-saving for some women if it helps them avoid entering into an abusive relationship, for example. But as you said, I I imagine some posts might cross the line, for example, revealing the work address or the name of someone who, you know, that their behaviour might not have been great, but it's definitely not anything 
criminal or <laughs> that's what I mean there's so much nuance here isn't there and no one ever knows what's happened in somebody else's relationship and absolutely if I if I had encountered a violent man on a dating app and then I saw that he was still out there and we all know that women don't always want to go to the police to the authorities and so on but I saw him out there I would think I had a moral obligation to warn other women that this is his history hmm. At the same time, these men have no way to defend themselves. We don't know whether there could be someone being vindictive, perhaps. So when you're exposing someone publicly for something you are alleging that they're doing, it's tricky both morally and legally. Mm. I, I think it has to be said that you know men out there do know that this is happening. Um, people snitch from these groups. And so I have come across, uh, you know, websites and so on where men are discussing being outed. And that ranges from an angry response to people being a bit hurt and bewildered by what's happened. Mm. I mean, if people are snitching, that raises the issue. Are these groups safe for women to post in in the first place, especially considering what we know about defamation law in Australia? You you could get sued by, you know, a bit of a scary ex-partner if you're posting in here and it's leaked, right? There were a lot of posts that I've seen that I think would be highly defamatory unless you have some kind of rock-solid proof about what has happened. That's a major concern. There's a lot that would possibly be in breach of privacy acts. People should be worried about that. And then the privacy breached back the other way when information from inside these groups gets leaked back into another group. So a bit of a double-edged mm. sword there. And I... um. I've actually been looking at the men's groups that have been set up in response to these women's groups and what they are doing to dox the women who are trying to support each other. So there are, again, dozens, potentially hundreds of websites set up by men. Um, they at first appear to be quite similar, you know, is your is, is your girlfriend cheating, so on and so forth, but the, uh, the ones I've been in have very misogynistic and threatening, slut-shaming and fat-shaming language in them. Next, how dating apps and the government are clamping down on bad behaviour. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. So, Tori, before the break, you mentioned that many people are turning to these Facebook groups to expose abuse and harassment as well. But surely that shouldn't be up to the individual. What are dating apps doing about this? Because that's the main way that most people are dating these days, right? 
We know that most first dates are set up online on dating apps, dating sites, and we know that most of the people who are doing that have had some kind of experience of, of violence or abuse that is facilitated by the technology that they're using. That kind of abuse and violence can include sexual harassment, abusive or threatening language, image-based sexual abuse and stalking. Mm. That, that came from an Australian Institute of Criminology report. It's been explored further in roundtables um, in Parliament and it's certainly something that everyone's aware of. We're not quite at the point where we know exactly what we're going to do to fix it. Mm. Right now you've got the federal government, you've got women's groups, you've got groups out there worried about children, you've got groups worried about vulnerable communities, you've got the apps themselves and getting them all to the same page is not, it's not an easy task but they are working on it. Mm. So the majority of people have experienced that when online dating. That's pretty stark. It's rather terrifying and there really is not a lot you can do about it. I mean, I don't know if you've ever done online dating, but you, before you know it, you've got people people in your inboxes, uh, all sorts of things are happening. And I feel like I'm quite a cynical person. I actually never went on an online date despite being because <laughs> every single person on there was freaking me out in some way. Uh, but almost everyone I know, you know, has had some kind of dodgy encounter? No, I mean, I, to be clear, I met my current partner via Tinder and my boyfriend before that via Tinder, but before that was five to eight years of people sending unsolicited photos, yeah. just dodgy dates. Every friend that I know has had a bad experience from a dating app as well. There so you go. It, yeah. That three and four number really, it, it checks out. It, it's terrifying. And then you think about the anecdotes that I've heard consistently over years now, that number actually seems a little low. So Tori, you mentioned that the federal government has been meeting with the big dating apps. What kinds of solutions are on the table? Look, at the moment, they're in the process of developing a voluntary code of conduct. And if they don't sort that out, the government is going to come in and legislate and, and force some of this on them. In the meantime, there is quite a bit that different groups are doing. So that's Tinder and Hinge and Bumble. I mean, in some ways, they're talking to law enforcement and women's safety groups. There is a market need here in a sense. I mean, you know, while you might think these are giant companies who just want as many people on there as possible so they can make their money however they do, if they're known to be a cesspit, they're less likely to have the sort of engagement. So you would hope there's market mechanisms as well. Um, there are various options, like you can block people, you can get educated and there are now like a lot of education and safety guides out there that'll tell you what to look for, especially when it comes to things like imposters or catfishing or scams, so on and so forth. And then there are the reporting pathways, which again brings up, you know, they can always be uh, made stronger, better and have the barriers to access removed. But again, often women don't want to go through that kind of formal process of reporting. And then there's the whole other side of that is what happens if someone has been reported? Can the apps just get rid of them? Can they get around that by creating a whole new profile, which, you know, is often, you know, that's mm. what they might have done in the first place and potentially limitless profiles. And one of the um, suggestions around that is that AI could be used to pick up similarities, um, you know, in kind of Phoenix accounts that are getting shut down and popping back up again, but also mm. looking at patterns of dangerous language or particular phrases that might be common to people who are looking to scam you or who are lying to you or who perhaps have been picked up in the past doing the wrong thing. Mm. So, Tori, you mentioned that the government has kind of said, get your act together or we're going to intervene and legislate on this issue. 
Is Australia fairly forward-thinking on this or have other countries done this years and years and years ago? I reckon we'll be able to say that Australia is fairly forward-thinking once that legislation goes through or once we see what that looks like because everybody's engaging on this. You know, the UN is involved. There are um, big not-for-profits, your global not-for-profit organisations who are working on this problem. There are all sorts of governments looking at it. They're all at, you know, various stages. I think Australia is a first mover in terms of get it together or, you know, we're going to legislate. And the interesting thing is these are international platforms. So if Meta's going to have to sort itself out for Australia, surely it'll also be thinking about making that consistent in other countries. You'd hope so. I don't know. Mm. Are there other kind of mechanisms that governments can explore, not just in the online dating world, but in the dating world to weed out some of the the worst offenders, those with violent records, et cetera? Yes. Um, certainly state governments have looked at things such as a register of offenders. Um, so a woman could go and see if it's actually their part. You can't just go and check out your, you know, the guy you've matched with on Tinder. But once you're with somebody, you can look at their, their past, uh, which you can imagine that would have some very protective and life-saving benefits for it. I think a lot of it is going to be in education. You know, We talk about red flags a lot these days, but people still somehow manage to not see the big red flag waving in their face. So maybe better education around spotting those red flags, which I feel like once you know what they are there, you know, you get attuned to the patterns and you can be a lot smarter at weeding them out. So yeah, maybe some more education. What happened in the end with Annabelle? Yeah, so as for Annabelle, and this is one of my favourite parts of the story, when she first found out that Max was in another relationship, she actually got in touch with the other person and they started talking. <laughs> yeah, we we decided that it'd be kind of weird to get together and have a drink and um, God, we were both ridiculously nervous. And um, they had commiserated together, got on quite well, went out for a drink kept in contact and, uh, you know, we were very big on Messenger and um, we've gone out a few times together. And now they're great friends. If only I could say they found true love with each other, that would be a brilliant ending. <laughs> they, did find, they, <laughs> they did find friendship together, which is quite nice because the, I guess the starting point is women wanting to support each other and so maybe that's a nice ending point is women supporting each other. And it's just um, nice now that we're kind of in the same position that we you know we're both single women navigating the whole dating world. And it's nice to have somebody uh, to do that with. You know, it's not the only story I've heard of two ex-girlfriends with a shitty ex-boyfriend <laughs> Col- Colin ended up becoming best friends. What is that? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ex of my ex is my yes. friend. <laughs> and, I mean, who better to gossip about an ex with than somebody who has the same ex, right? That was Tori Shepherd, a senior reporter for Guardian Australia. You can read her piece titled A Stranger Crashed a First Date to Out the Man as a Cheat and Thousands of Women Seek the Same Online at theguardian.com. We've also linked to that on the full story page. This episode was produced by Joe Koning, who also did the sound design and music and created our theme music. The executive producer is Hannah Parks. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening. 
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.